For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to the All-American Brit Podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network. I am your host, Johnny McEwen. Today is Tuesday, March 23rd, and this week in sport, there's a familiar face in the NBA, now an owner in the MLB. The quarterfinals are set in the UEFA Champions League. Tiger Woods is back home in Florida, recovering, but first... The Madness is back. March Madness and College Hoops has returned to our screens. Last year, the beloved college tournament was cancelled, of course, due to COVID-19. There was so much uncertainty this time last year surrounding public events and life as we had grown accustomed to it. The NCAA followed suit like almost all sports organizations and cancelled the event. There was no way for the tournament to be rescheduled, so all eyes have been on 2021 for the return of March Madness and the anticipation of these young athletes has been palpable in the energy and style of play from first tip. This is really one of my favourite sporting events of the year. Love filling out a bracket and determining how the tournament will flow, usually to very little success. I, d- I did come third once in an office bracket of receiving the smallest amount of payout, and I kept saying how happy I was because I'd never won anything like this. I'd entered raffles and things and I, I once entered a raffle to win a putter my odds were unbelievably low but every day I kind of thought about it leading up to it like I might win that putter of course I didn't so I was terribly happy about coming third and I kept telling everyone how excited I was that I'd won something and people would then remind me that I didn't in fact win anything that I did come third but I was still incredibly proud of myself I'd be the I'd be the proudest bronze medalist you'd ever met but anyways I digress 64 teams make it to the NCAA bracket tournament. It's a win or go home every single game. You could be a 16th seed facing the number one seed, but your chances are just as good. You've got 40 minutes to try and make something happen, and things go mad in March Madness tournament. It is very aptly named, and round one, there was tons of storylines and unbelievable drama from first tip, like I said. The seventh seed, Florida, faced 10th seed, Virginia Tech, and it was the first match of the tournament, and it really set a tone for the day. It went into overtime, and it did just feel like anything might happen. Florida, the higher seed, did get through, but probably the biggest story from round one was 15th seed, Oral Roberts, beating the second seed, Ohio State. Ohio State had been talked about as potentially going all the way to this year's national championship, a real shocker from Oral Roberts pulling out the victory. After this upset, only 0.52% of brackets remained perfect in just the first few games of the tournament. Something like 60 to 100 million brackets are filled out across different platforms in anticipation of this tournament. And the idea that less than 1% of them remained perfect after this real shocker was quite something. Later in that second day of the first round games, there were no perfect brackets left. The longest stretch for a perfect bracket ever came in 2019. A man guessed all of the correct teams up until the Sweet 16, 49 consecutive games. There has never, ever been an absolutely perfect bracket down to a national champion. 
The Green Machine, North Texas, the 13th seed, ousted fourth-ranked Purdue. Another shocker from day one of the tournament. Another one of the great storylines from the tournament in the last few years has been that of Loyola Chicago. It was in 2018 that the 11th seed made a run all the way to the Final Four. And superfan Sister Jean was a big reason why for their national attention. Sister Jean is now 101 years old and simply lives for supporting these Ramblers and this basketball team. Jean, in her Loyola maroon-coloured mask, was in the stadium for round one when they took on Georgia Tech, 71-60 to victory for the Loyola team, and they looked to face the number one seed, Illinois. Sister Jean had filled out her bracket, and she had this matchup, Illinois versus Loyola, for round two, and she had her boys coming out on top, moving into the Sweet 16. I had the Fighting Illinois winning this whole tournament, but Sister Jean had me completely wrong. Her Ramblers toppled the number one seed and punched their ticket to the Sweet 16. Sister Jean had a prayer for the boys that she said in the locker room before they took to the floor to take on Ellie. She said, quote, as we play Fighting Illy, we ask for special help to overcome this team and get a great win, she said in her prayer. We hope to score early and make our opponents nervous. We have a great opportunity to convert rebounds, and this team makes about 50% of layups and about 30% of its three points. Our defense can take care of that, end quote. Sound a bit more like a game plan than a prayer to me, but Loyola Faithful certainly aren't complaining. It was an awesome victory over a rival team. They will face another team who has been upsetting teams left, right, and center. Oregon State, the 12th seed, will face Loyola this coming Saturday. The final game of round one was a really special one on Saturday night. Similar to the little team taking down the pig team from the same state, 14th seed Abilene Christian took down third seed Texas in the first round. It was a razor-tight finish. The teams were exchanging the lead right in the final minutes, all the way down to the final seconds. There was a clutch three-pointer from the Texas Longhorns with 14 seconds left on the clock. 52-51 the score, Texas with the lead. Abilene Christian get the ball down the floor. Their point guard Miller makes a drive toward the hoop and he misses the shot but Joe Pleasant comes up for the putback and gets fouled with 1.2 seconds. Pleasant now goes to the free throw line with a chance to take the lead. He has an average of 52% from the line and he's maybe not the first guy that you'd want to give you this opportunity on the free throw line but he was the guy for the moment. Pleasant's first shot goes down, tie game 52-52 drains the second shot. Abilene Christian now with the lead. Texas has 1.2 seconds to get the ball down the floor and make a shot. They go for a Hail Mary sorts of pass, a baseball-style throw from the backcourt all the way to the half court. Leaping up is one of the Texas Longhorns, and the other, the Abilene Christian, Joe Pleasant, comes up with the ball. He made the free throws. He got the interception, runs down the second on the clock. 14th seed Abilene Christian win their first game in an NCAA tournament. They progressed to the second round where they faced UCLA just yesterday, but they weren't able to get over the 11th seeded UCLA team. They won't be moving on to the Sweet 16. Their tournament has ended, but what an unbelievable victory in that round one over the biggest team in Texas. And I can't go without mentioning Syracuse University. Of course, I am a graduate of Syracuse University. The 11th seeded team ended up defeating the 6th seed San Diego State in round one and took care of the number three seed West Virginia just yesterday in a very tightly fought game. Syracuse has made it to the Sweet 16 where they will take on Houston on Saturday. 
Uh, Jim Beheim and his son, Buddy Beheim have been an immaculate kind of watch during this season. They're playing the best basketball they've played all season. They've saved it for this tournament. Should be interesting to see if the Orange can take down the number two seed after defeating the number three, West Virginia. So the Sweet 16 matchups are all set. Round two concluded last night. A national champion will be crowned on the 5th of April. And here on the All-American Brit podcast on the 6th of April, a March Madness special. I'll be covering all of the best storylines from this tournament. And of course, discussing who will be the big victor. A lot still to happen in the tournament. Uh, Should be a really exciting one. Sweet 16 matchups this weekend. One of the biggest names in the NBA is now an owner in the MLB. Los Angeles Laker LeBron James is now a part owner of the Boston Red Sox. He and his business partner Maverick Carter inked a deal earlier this week that brings them into the ownership fold for the infamous Boston baseball team. LeBron has been in business with the Fenway Group for a while. He has owned 2% of Liverpool Football Club since 2011. This is notable for a few reasons. Sport team ownership for decades has been a family business. Generations of generations of families passing down the team. And it's incredibly difficult to get into these groups, these elite groups of team ownership. And team ownership has lacked diversity for far too long. And I think that LeBron being involved in baseball ownership is only a good thing for the sport and for North American franchise sports in general. This is a small step in terms of LeBron's big plan. LeBron one day hopes to own a sports franchise himself, something that he said that he wants to do in the future, and he has moved a few steps closer in this landmark deal. Red Sox fans, however, have mixed feelings just due to the fandom of the kid from Akron. LeBron has been seen in Yankees hats on multiple occasions, far too many occasions for the Boston faithful. And I heard this term only recently, but I think it certainly fits LeBron. He's what you'd call a die-easy fan. Not a die-hard fan, but a die-easy fan. He's been seen rooting for many different teams over the years and sporting tons of different teams' logos. In baseball alone, he's rooted for the Dodgers, Indians, Yankees, and Marlins. He's even been seen wearing a Cubs jersey and hat, but this was in 2016 when he visited his friend Dwayne Wade, who was playing for the Bulls at the time. And it was kind of suspected that it was a bet forcing LeBron to wear the Cubs uniform after they had just defeated what what should be his Cleveland Indians in the World Series that year in 2016. LeBron, of course, has rooted for his Liverpool football club, but he's also rooted for Juventus. He's been seen in a Barcelona shirt. The list really does go on. And quite simply, I think that he just loves sport and he loves competition and he will get behind any team for the love of sport. So I'm all in on LeBron's die-easy fandom and I'm all in on LeBron becoming a part owner of the Red Sox. I wish him and Maverick success as they join the Fenway group. And this is just a footnote to the bigger story of LeBron one day becoming the lead owner of a major sports franchise. Quarterfinal matchups are set. The biggest trophy in European club football, the UEFA Champions League. The random draw for matchups took place on Friday. All of the teams that made it through the round of 16 were randomly 
drawn and lots of powerhouse names in football will be competing in the two legs of the quarterfinals. It all starts on April 6th when Real Madrid will take on Liverpool. The Spanish super team dealt comfortably with Atalanta in the round of 16 and look to move on against a struggling Liverpool side. It's been a tough couple of weeks for Liverpool, particularly in the Premier League, a historic stretch of defeats at home for the club. They will hope to rebound as they take on Real Madrid, the white shirts, the feared Spanish super team. Chelsea, who remain undefeated since the arrival of Thomas Tuchel, hope that he can continue his streak when they face Portuguese side FC Porto. Chelsea may be the favourites in this draw, but they can't get ahead of themselves. We have to remain focused through these two matches, not think ahead to the semi-final. Jose Mourinho, of course, made his stamp on football, guiding his Porto side to the European Championship in 2004. Man City, the presumptive champions of the Premier League at this point, look to take out German side Dortmund. They will be in Manchester for the first leg of the quarterfinals on the 6th of April. And the other Bundesliga powerhouse, Bayern Munich, will take on Paris Saint-Germain on the 7th of April at Munich's Allianz Arena. It was a tough draw for Bayern, a rematch of the quarterfinal that they lost to PSG. So they will hope to get a victory and move forward. I will be covering the results of the first leg of matches here on the All-American Brit podcast in the next couple of weeks, so be sure to look out for that. The last time I did an edition of This Week in Sport was on February 23rd, and I extensively covered the Genesis Invitational, the Tiger Woods-hosted tournament at the Riviera Country Club in the Pacific Palisades. Max Homer won in a playoff against Tony Finau, the LA kid getting to win the tournament that he had gone to as a kid, the tournament that made him fall in love with golf. He was handed the trophy by his idol and the idol of so many, that of Tiger Woods. Tiger was in the area to present the trophy that Sunday. He was also doing some Golf Digest photo shoots. And on Tuesday morning, early morning, Tiger was in a car accident that left him on the side of the road. Paramedics had to pry open the door and get Tiger out of the car. He went to the hospital with multiple contusions in both legs, hours of surgery, and a couple of weeks laid up in hospital, not far from me here in Los Angeles. The good news immediately following the incident was that Tiger was stable and that he was out of surgery, and that it's very simply that he was alive. The images of the car wreck were stunning and just nearly a year after losing Kobe in such a horrifying and shocking way, the whole world kind of held its breath while Tiger was in surgery. It was breaking news on CNN. Everyone, everywhere was covering this story. All eyes were on this golfing legend. And Tiger has been in my thoughts in the last couple of weeks and in a lot of people's thoughts. I'm so glad to know that the news this week is that Tiger is back home in Florida recuperating at home with his family. Last week I had Matt Moretz on the program to talk about the events of the players and we talked about Tiger and what we felt around the events of the incident of the car crash. Here are me and Matt's thoughts on Tiger Woods. You know, his hospital is actually really not that far from me here in Los Angeles and I've been thinking about Tiger a lot in the last couple of weeks. He's been in my thoughts, and I know he's been in a lot of people's thoughts. We saw it a, an amazing thing on tour with players wearing red and black on Sunday, uh, the weekend of the, the incident. 
He won the Players' Championship 20 years ago, the famous Better Than Most call on the 17th. It's quite something seeing that footage of Tiger, that young Tiger fist pumping in those oversized shirts. What have your thoughts been on Tiger since the accident? Have you been? In the, what have you been thinking in these last couple of weeks with Tiger Woods? Yeah, I mean, I, um, I, I kind of share the same sentiment as most of the PGA Tour, and that he's, you know, he's okay, and and his kids have a father, and he was lucky to get out of there with the injuries that he did. Just to suffer uh, a couple leg injuries is remarkable, and um, you know, seeing that car and seeing where the car ended up, it's, it's mind boggling that it wasn't worse than that. And so I think that's some, something that to be grateful for and, you know, getting him getting back to golf uh, is the last thing that I'm concerned about, you know, just concerned about his, his health and safety. And yeah. And, you know, especially after watching the the documentary, you know, you really, you really feel for tiger. I mean, you, just the image of him at a, at a club in New York city, sitting alone, you know, drinking whatever he was drinking to me is it's just so sad. And, you know, you know, people want to classify him as, as a cheater or as, you know, unfaithful. And, and he was, but I think that there was what that, what that documentary kind of um, outlined was there was a lot more to it that stemmed from his childhood and his relationship with his parents, essentially his arrested development and his, not being able to express himself and, and be a kid. His, his main mistress kind of talked about him in bed, eating cereal, watching cartoons. And, you know, it's just like the greatest golfer in the world, you know, acting like this is just, it's, it's odd to hear. And um, it really paints the picture of someone who had a very unusual upbringing. And so I think now that he's finally had an amazing career, if he never wins again, I think he'll still go down as the greatest of all time. And uh, especially after winning the masters a couple of years ago and, you know, he gets to be a dad now. And I think um, that was what was so tragic about Kobe Bryant having his extraordinary career as well. And his life being cut so short and losing out on being a father and losing out on being uh, a husband and eventually a grandfather, you know, um, the tiger incident came around the same time that Kobe did last year. And um that was my first, that was my initial reaction. My first thought was, you know, oh my gosh, have we lost, a, have we lost another great athlete um, to something so tragic in Los Angeles of all places. And, you know, I th- that's just one thing that I'm super, super thankful and grateful for that he's alive and well. Absolutely. And we, we very nearly lost Tiger that day. It can't be understated. And I think that the the main sentiment around golf and the way that people have been talking about it is, you know, it's, it's not about the game. It's not about, it's, it's about having, having this legend to be able to live in normal life and walk with his kids and you know, be, be able to go and potentially walk around or you know, even drive a cart around and see his son Charlie play. It was such a touching thing, seeing him play in the father-son tournament with his son Charlie early um, in the year. And, you know, it's, it's quite something. HB, as you said, the HBO documentary came out with a two-part documentary just recently on the golfing legends. Some believe that it was kind of a, a, a smear campaign or, you know, not, you know, the, those, those familiar with Tiger and, and, and maybe with golf didn't really learn anything new in the documentary. But it is quite something to see the whole story told. If you don't know Tiger's story, I'm sure that it was, a, you know, a gripping watch. But from my perspective, I didn't learn a ton of new information. I, I think that 
just getting more light on just how much pressure his father put on him. His, his childhood was kind of stolen from him, but his desire to play golf was really prevalent and his ability just watching some of those incredible golf shots again you know i talked to some friends about who watched it and you know they think this that and the other and talking about stuff but just the genuine artistry on the golf course some incredible incredible ball strike just getting to watch him he never he doesn't have to win again for me i'm i you know i, I could not care less if you see him out again but you know the things that i do want to see is i want to see tiger woods doing the ceremonial tee shot at the Masters in 10, 15, 20 years. You know, that's what we, you know, that's what I look forward to. I don't I don't know that he's going to be putting on another green jacket on. He doesn't need another one. Just to see him and, and have him be an influence on the game. He's been, the character change in the last year, I thought that it should have been a, it should have been a three-part documentary and the third part should have been more about the comeback because it cannot be understated what he's done just in the last couple of years for the players on tour. The, the mentality around the game, and then the totality of it. I mean, a, a player's champion 25 years ago got 75 grand or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, JT walked away with $2 million, $2.5 million yesterday, and Tiger Woods is kind of a big reason why, you know? Oh, yeah, and, and that's what everybody says. You know, and even guys like Phil Mickelson back in the day, I mean, now he obviously says it, but back in the day when there was kind of a little bit of animosity between them, and he was like, we, not, we are making this money because of one person, period. End of story. That's that's the only reason that we're making this money that we're making now. You know, the the reason that I'm I'm able to put my I'm going to be able to put my kids through college with ease is um, is because of is because of one man, and it's not me. It's Tiger Woods. And um, you know, I, I watched the documentary with um, with my girlfriend who um, is learning slowly but surely more about about golf, and she's appreciating it a lot. She loved watching the uh, the match that they had with Tiger, Phil, Tom Brady, and Peyton Manning. Yeah, I love that. Uh, yeah. She's from, she's from New England, so she's a big Tom Brady fan. But it was interesting to see her perspective on it too because she, you know, I, I, know, I know all of, you know, none, none of the stuff that the information that came out was new to me. And, you know, I remember in 2009 when he had that accident at his, in front of his home um, and all the speculation around it, I remember exactly where I was, you know, and hearing her perspective on it was you know, she's, she's now very much pro tiger and she's very, you know, and I was surprised to hear that, um, especially with all his infidelity and, and, um, you know, extramarital affairs and stuff that documentary, while I think it was a bit of a smear campaign, I think it was also enlightening to see, like, you know, what happened and what was shown in the media. Here's why. And like, here is why mentally tiger is one of the toughest athletes competitors of all time but at the same time was stripped of so much that gave that gives people their their childhood and their upbringing and their you know one night stands and their and and all of their the stuff the mistakes that they make along the way and he was demanded to be perfect from such an early age I wish Tiger Woods a speedy recovery. So grateful to know that he's back home in Florida with his family, recovering and recouping comfortably with his loved ones around him. I think I speak for all golf fans when we hope to see Tiger out in any capacity on the golf course. Well, that has been this week in sport for the week of March 23rd here on the All American Brit Podcast. 
Lots to look forward to. March Madness basketball continues. We'll have a March Madness special. Premier League football, Champions League football, and just around the corner, the Azaleas will be in spring. The Masters, April 11th. And then be sure to listen here. After the Masters, there will be a special. I'll be joined again by Matt Moretz to cover the major championship. We'll talk about who slips on the green jacket. Be sure to follow me at AABritPod on Instagram and Twitter. For the All-American Brit Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, I am your host, Johnny McKeown. And until next time, take care. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.